and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just has voice. Let's welcome our guest. Tracy Fettinger beat multiple sclerosis by adopting a plant-based diet. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Tracy Fettinger. Greetings and welcome, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, I'm really so glad that you agreed to come along. We're going to be talking about multiple sclerosis today, and it's really a very important topic. A lot of people may be familiar with it. It's kind of related to autoimmune as well. So if you know of anybody that is concerned about autoimmune disease, it would also be helpful to watch this broadcast or, or share it with them. Uh, multiple sclerosis is estimated to affect about a million people in the United States and about two and a half million worldwide, and that number is growing. So it really is a very important thing to discuss, and I'm glad that Tracy's here to talk about it with us. I am glad to be here. Can I just make one little announcement? Yes, yes please. So on some of your, publicly, you said heal MS, and we just saw that on the video, and I just yes. want to make it clear that I have not healed it because I will always have it, MS is scarring on your brain and spinal cord. So just like this scar I have on my thumb from five years old, I will always have those scars. I've just been able to overcome and deal with the symptoms so that I am now thriving. So just that little little piece of information there. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you clarified that for everyone. But you do have a fantastic story and really wonderful, helpful hints. And before we start with that, I wanted to start with our game of true or false it's them. time for true or false on be green with amy live answer true or false to amy's questions in the comments below and amy will ask our guest for the expert answer okay so our first true or false question is ms multiple sclerosis is a prime of life disease so green warriors that are watching type in the comments what you think the answer is and then we'll let tracy tell us about that go ahead tracy I would definitely say that that answer is false because MS affects people of all ages. However, it is most prevalent in women. Well, it's mostly diagnosed in women in their mid thirties. And that's about the time that I got diagnosed as well. So I fell right into the average, but it affects all ages, all genders, all, it can be anyone. We're going to talk about your diagnosis. It seems to be a very elusive disease to have and sometimes even kind of mysterious. And we hear about it. I have some people in my life that I know have been affected by it, but maybe not everybody knows someone with it. But it would be good to know, how, how would somebody know if they might have MS? What, what might they be experienced that could be a sign that they should get it checked out? And you're right, it is very mysterious. Number one, they, they don't know how we get it. We, we know it's not contagious, but we don't know how we get it. And everyone's symptoms are different because your symptoms depend on where your lesions are along your brain and spinal cord. There are some similarities within symptoms, but the other thing is there is 
no test. You can't just go and take a test and, oh yeah, you have MS. It is a diagnosis of exclusion. So the doctors have to rule out many other things first. And if you have certain criteria and they rule out other things, then they can confirm that yes, it is MS. And so the lesions or scarring on the brain and spinal cord, and it's multiple sclerosis. So that means you have to have many of them more than two, I believe is the, the key. And so fatigue is a really big one that just about everyone experiences, but um, optical neuritis, numb, tingly sensations. I, there are so many other types of things that could be symptoms, but it just depends on each person and where their lesions are. Right, because it basically is attacking the central nervous system and those nerves are, I guess they're kind of like wires, right? Like we have, we can charge our cell phone or our laptop with these wires and it's kind of like that, would you say? Yes, and so if you think about like a cord that you plug into the wall, it's wrapped with some sort of material so that you don't really see those wires, right? Well, we have that same thing, it's called a myelin sheath that wraps around our neurons and our, our nervous system and MS, when you have that, your body attacks the things that belong in your body instead of the enemies, and it attacks that myelin sheath. So if you can imagine if that wrapping around that cord that you plug into the wall was not there, all the sparks and stuff that would happen, and the fact that whatever you just plugged in wouldn't work properly, that's what MS does to us. We have certain things that just no longer work properly because that protective coating is being eaten away. Those connections could be to the eyes, it could be to the hands or the feet, it could be to different systems in the body? Yes, yeah. anywhere, brain, spinal cord, the whole gamut. So your spinal cord basically rules your body, right? So you could have digestive issues, hearing issues, taste issues. I mean, there's just, I, the list can go on because your brain and your spinal cord are what operate your body. So wherever those wires are frayed, that's not working properly. And so that, I guess that's what makes it so elusive and so important though, right? If we have something that's happening to us that doesn't feel right, it's probably a good idea to go to our general physician and have it checked out. Yes. And I, I did start with my general practitioner. And when it finally came down to him saying, I really just, I don't know. You you seem to be under a lot of stress and your body's reacting to that. You've got to get out of the stress. And so I did, but that's all he could tell me. But eventually I ended up in the hospital and that's when they started running all of these different tests to see, okay, there is definitely something bigger wrong with you. Let's find out. And so we had to do all of those different tests for other diseases and then we came to the conclusion that, okay, I don't have any of those, but I have the lesions and I have some symptoms that are very common. And so got my diagnosis. So what were your symptoms that you would say were common, but not in all cases that somebody would have these, but for your particular situation? Gait issues are a really big thing. And I definitely had gait imbalance issues for a long time. I could only wear certain shoes or I would stumble a lot. Um, I had to hold on to things as I was walking. Um, and that's one thing as the disease progresses, you'll see canes and then walkers and then wheelchairs and thank the Lord above. I'm not there. I'm not going in that direction, but um, 
balance and gait issues are definitely a big thing. The, the fatigue and the sensitivity to heat, which is getting hotter and hotter right now. So I'm definitely working on doing those proactive things to make sure I keep my core temperature cool um, because heat just makes things flare up. That numb, tingly sensation, like a limb has fallen asleep, but it won't wake up. That's also something that's very typical. Um, optic neuritis, where you, you're, you're having vision problems, like I can see clearly, and then all of a sudden I can't. Those are some of the, the typical ones and some of the ones that I experienced. And you said you were how old when this happened? I was in my mid-30s when this yeah. happened. And mm. um, it's kind of, I have a funny story. I have a friend sure. who started going to support groups with me, and she's a little older. She's amazing. She's a, a native to Jacksonville, which is kind of rare, um, but she went to some of the meetings with me and they were talking about some of the symptoms of MS and she said, well, those all sound like, you know, things that happen as you get older. And I was like, okay, yeah. but I'm not older. <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, yeah, you're right. So, you know, in my mid thirties experiencing things that like 65, 70, 75 year olds experience, that's, that's unusual. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, typically in our 20s and our 30s, we just, we're still kind of feeling that we have a lot of physical fitness and sometimes something happens and we, or we feel something and we just kind of scoff it off like, oh yeah. And then it maybe continues and, oh, maybe I should get seen. Oh, maybe I won't. So what was going through your head when these things were happening to you? Well, the, the biggest thing is, I mean, if I look back now, I can pinpoint, oh, that was probably a warning sign that was probably a warning sign. But what really happened is I had the numb tingly in my toe and it worked its way, my right toe, and it worked its way up my leg to my hip. And so of course we all were like, oh, sciatica, that's the whole thing, you know, well then it was in my left toe and worked up my left leg into my hip. So for days I had that numb tingly feeling like my legs had fallen asleep and they would not wake up in those pins and needles. Well, when I thought it was sciatica, I go to the chiropractor. Of course, he's the one that's going to take care of that. I just need a little adjustment. And eventually we were, we were going through some things with my chiropractor. He told me he was going to take some x-rays. And if, if three adjustments didn't work, that there was something bigger at large. But eventually I was numb and tingly all the way up to here. And that's very frightening because my heart is here. <laughs> um, yeah. And so after his x-rays came back and he said, okay, the adjustments haven't fixed it. And I'm um, looking at the x-ray, there's nothing going on with your alignment. You need to go to an, a neurologist because this is something that they need to figure out. And so thank goodness for my chiropractor who said, I can't fix this, go to, you know, the important person. And so I came home and immediately called. It was gonna be like weeks, if not months before I could get an appointment. So I called my chiropractor back. I'm like, what do I do? I'm so scared. He says, go to the emergency room. They'll make sure you see a neurologist. And that's where it all started. And sure enough, I saw a neurologist that day. <laughs> yeah, that was very wise of him to tell you that. It was wise of you to call him back and tell him about that because some people would just say, oh, well, I'll just guess I'll just have to wait. And people just kind of put it in what was meant to be kind of thing. But we really need to be proactive in our lives for our health. And I'm, I'm glad that you were that way. That was really important. So tell everyone is you, you have to self advocate and be proactive because my doctors are helpful. Don't get me wrong, but it's up to me. It's not really up to them. They have lots of patients and 
you have to take that active role. Mm -hmm. How long were you in the hospital then? I was in the hospital just shy of a week. And I ended up at an amazing hospital. It was a teaching hospital. So I didn't just get to see my doctors. I got to see all the people who were in training. And, and so many, many come in asking questions. And so I had lots of minds at work on my situation. And um, it was the first and hopefully only time I'll ever have to stay in a hospital because I don't know if you've ever been, but it was not a pleasant experience. I mean, it wasn't awful. The people were great, uh, the doctors and the nurses and everything, but it was just that that was just not a fun time. They come in and wake you up every two hours to take your vitals. And I'm like, I just want to sleep. And mm. <laughs> you have to wear those gowns that are open in the back. You know, not a fun experience to be there for a week, but we finally figured it out. So it was worth it. <laughs> So then you finally figured it out. And, and what was going through your mind? We, how did you feel when you finally knew what this was? There was a sense of relief in that, okay, we know what this is now. But there was also this overwhelming dread because I knew so little about this disease. And the only thing that I knew about it, I knew one person and they retired from their job and said, I'm done. I have MS. I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my life. And I thought that meant, you know, our, he's only got a little bit longer to live. And so MS means you're not going to live much longer. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I'm way too young. Like I can't, you know, luckily I have some family members that are in the medical field and, and I am a teacher and a lifelong learner. So I just dug right in and figured out that it did not have to be a death sentence. Um, I was going to have to change some things about the way that I lived, but not in the way that I initially thought. So it was very scary at first because I knew so little about it. And again, I mean, I'm just, I'm in the hospital and this doctor's giving me this, you know, diagnosis after so many tests and scratching their heads and not knowing what's going on. And, and, uh, but I had, I had great support with my family and my friends. And that was, that was really awesome. And then I just, like I said, dug right in, figured it out, and was able to say, okay, this is not the end of me. <laughs> yes, yes. And and as far as what the doctors were telling you, I mean, did they have any advice for you that you found useful? So initially it was, okay, you have MS, you're going to start these drugs. Okay, yes, sir. Like I'm, I am a very pedantic person and I follow the rules and I do things that I'm supposed to do and um, so I started my, um, let's see if they call them disease modifying therapy and, um, I followed it to the T did everything I was supposed to do and it just did not make me feel good. I mean, it was apparently helping my MS, but it just didn't make me feel good. And then it was, you have to take this prescription to help with that side effect. And then. And a little bit later it was, okay, well now you need to take this for that. And now, and it was just like one thing after another, after another. And at first I was like, okay, I'm going to follow these doctor's orders. But it just seemed like everything was piling up. And I, I have a sister who was in nursing school at the time. And so she was doing all her research papers and stuff on MS because obviously mm -hmm. that was something important to her. And she would send me articles. Have you heard about this? Or have you seen this? And, people that were dealing with their MS holistically and naturally. And so I did have a great doctor. Do not get me wrong. I cannot say any more good things about her, but she's following her training 
And so I'm on these medicines, but I took the research to her and I told her that I had made a plan and that I wanted to try to come off of the meds and deal with my disease holistically and naturally. But I wanted to still be under her care so she could watch and make sure that I wasn't, you know, causing detriment. That Because I honestly feel that everybody reacts differently to different things. And so, yes, there were other people who were doing it, but could I do it? Could my body handle that? And she agreed and she saw me just like she would if I were on the disease modifying therapies. And every time I went in, she said, are, are you still doing your thing? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she says, we do all the little tests. And she would say, well, I can't argue with success. Keep doing your thing and I'll see you uh -huh. in three months. <laughs> so. That's, that very, is wonderful. Yeah, I, I, very supportive. I would imagine that many doctors wouldn't want to have you under their care if you weren't following their medical advice. Yes. They, they I, wouldn't I want believe, to risk that. I believe so, that too. And I think that um, I just, I really, I, I loved my doctor and she, she was awesome. And, you know, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with them prescribing that disease modifying therapy. But like I said, it just wasn't for me. And mm -hmm. what I tell a lot of MS patients or just people in general that I deal with is maybe getting off the meds isn't for you. It was for me, but maybe it isn't for you, but you can still feel better while you're on them. And so there's definitely a way to not feel so awful. And that's, that's really my news is, yeah, I'm off my meds, but I don't, I don't preach. Everyone should be off meds. It's, I want you to do what your body needs you to do so that you can feel better whether you choose to take them or not. Okay. So I guess we're going to be unpacking what you discovered. And that's going to bring me to my next true or false question for the Green Warriors. Type in your answer, true or false. What you eat does not affect your MS symptoms. And that's going to give Tracy a way to segue into the next part of what she learned about this. Go ahead, Tracy. Well, I'm going to give that a big, that is a false <laughs> for sure. <laughs> because although I have changed some other things, the biggest lifestyle change that I made is what I ate. And I did it very methodically. I, I thought it through. Um, I went, like I said, I went to my doctor and I said, I have a plan. And that blew her away because, you know, most patients come and say, I need a plan. What am I supposed to do? And I told her, I said, I have a plan. I've done this research. Here's some of it. And I said, I want to take six months to transition because I have no idea what I'm doing yet, but I want to transition to a whole foods plant-based diet. I was on the standard American diet, eating what I thought was healthy. You know, I looked at those nutrition labels, which those numbers don't mean nearly as much as that ingredient list. That's yes. what I pay attention to now. If I even buy something that's, you know, has an ingredient list, I really just buy a lot of fresh food. But um, I said, I want to take six months to transition. And then I want to take six months fully plant-based before I come off my meds. Um, just to really give my body like the, you know, revving it up kind of thing. And, and I needed her because... With certain medications, you have to titrate down. Some things you can't just stop taking. And so we worked together on the plan for how I could come off the meds. And then, like I said, for the visits after the meds and what was going to happen as I was no longer taking them. 
Um, but I did. I started, you're going to think this is crazy. Most people do. I started with one meal a week. I was like, I can do one. I mean, I don't know. I eat three meals a day. That's 21 meals a week. So I started with one meal. I, I got to figure out one meal a week <laughs> and learn what I need to make sure I'm still getting the nutrients. And then I said, okay, I'm going to go to one meal a day. And I thought breakfast would be the easiest way to go plant-based because I wasn't a big like eggs and bacon person anyway. Um, and then after that, it was like, okay, one day a week. And then you just, I just kind of grew from there. And the more I did it, the better I started feeling. And it actually took me a little less than six months um, because I just started feeling better. And I just started, and I started learning enough and making sure I had those nutrients. You know, I knew that I couldn't just take the plants that I was eating at the time. Because, again, that standard American diet, there's not a big variety of plants that we eat. I mean, let's face it, there's mashed potatoes, green beans, and corn, right? <laughs> I mean, if you, there might be a little bit more, but that's that was sort of the mainstay. And don't get me wrong, I love me some green beans, I love me some potatoes, and I love me some corn, but I knew I would need more than that. And so doing the research to make sure that I was still getting the macronutrients that I needed was really important because what a lot of people do, I, I've seen it happen. I've coached some people through it, but they just go whole turkey and they start just doing the little bit that they know. And then they start feeling worse because they're yes. not getting what they need. And so they're like, oh, well then, you know, this isn't for me because I have no energy. Well, well yeah, because all you're eating is like potato chips and, you know, stuff that okay potato chips are they plant-based yeah potatoes a plant but are they nutrient-packed no your body definitely needs nutrients and so it was a process and it was something i was very committed to and it was so easy to stay committed when you when you start feeling so much better and um so i have a lot of people who say oh i could never do what you do and i'm like of course you could number one i didn't do it overnight and number two, there's so many things out there making it so much easier now. Um, yes. I actually work with some nutrition products that I can help people transition because I found them after the fact. And I'm like, oh, that's an easy tool. But even just in the grocery store, there are so many more things that make it easier. I mean, just think about 10 years ago, what plant-based milks were there? No. Soy. That was like it. Maybe almonds run around that time. But now you've got yeah. Of you had to go to like a health food store back then where it was one in your neighborhood. Right. Yeah. If you lived in a big enough city to have one. Yes. That is definitely yeah. key. I live in a small town. I would go to the grocery store sometimes and ask for things. And the manager was like, I don't even know what that is. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll go see if I can get it online. <laughs> but so I said, had, the internet was my best friend back then. <laughs> so Tracy, how did your family react? I mean, this must have been a big shock to them, of course, just the diagnosis. And then this shock of what you are telling them. Maybe, I mean, I guess your sister probably was helpful. So how did you navigate that? Yeah, that was pretty big. Now, I have to say that, I mean, my family was very supportive and having some family members in the medical field definitely helped. But everyone from, from the beginning was just right there willing to support me. And when I decided to make some changes, they were like, oh, well, we're making changes, too. And I mean, from day one, there was not a family gathering I went to that didn't have something for me. 
and not necessarily just the stuff I brought. I mean, they went out of their way to be supportive and they also made changes and everyone in my family has seen results. Now, not everyone in my family is doing what I do, but everyone has made changes and has seen some really good results. Um, so I have part of my family, they decided that they wanted to just be pescatarian because it's hard going out to eat. And I get that. But every now and then to have some fish, because that, that's the best protein on the menu options, you know, in their minds. And they're experiencing some wonderful benefits. I have one um, sister and her family who they decided, well, we're just going to be vegan. And so I am a little different than just vegan. It's the easy word to say when I'm at a restaurant, but just because something's vegan doesn't mean I'm going to eat it because there's the controversy about, well, Oreos are vegan. Yeah. Well, again, they aren't nutrient packed. So, um, but even with that, I mean, she's not a junk food vegan. Don't get me wrong, but just by going vegan, they've experienced some wonderful things as well. So everybody in my family has made some sort of, effort in supporting me to make little changes and when they saw changes how it helped me that just helped them and then of course that's just further motivation and so yeah it's been i've been very very fortunate very fortunate um that i've had a really really supportive family and my husband he at the beginning if he were standing right here i'd say the same thing because he he's told this story at the beginning he was like you do what you got to do now I'm not changing, but you do what you got to do and I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do to help you, but don't ask me to do that. Okay. So that was how it started. And he was very supportive. Um, I told him I'm, I, I'm not making two meals. This is what I'm going to make. If you want anything else, you're going to have to make it yourself because that's just, I don't know. It's how I felt. And he was like, okay. So at first he did. And then he started seeing the difference that it made for me. And then he had some medical things. And so now, again, not as strict as I am. I feel like I'm taking really extreme measures because I want extreme results. But he has, he, he's what we like to say, plant strong now. He, he eats way more plants than he used to, much less meat and dairy. There's never any in the house, but when he goes out to eat, occasionally he'll have seafood or he might have a slice of cheese on something. But he's made a big change, too. But it took him a little while. But still supportive the whole way. But it is a whole lot easier when he's kind of right there with you instead of just going, okay, you do you. <laughs> yes, exactly. It must have been quite an adjustment for him knowing that you had the diagnosis and he probably was a little scared that maybe that what you were trying to do maybe wasn't the best choice. Maybe he was a little worried about that. A lot of things going on with both of you. And it's just very wonderful to see that you remained a strong couple going through such a crisis, which is what I would call it a crisis. Oh, yeah. So he, he definitely yeah. didn't want me to go off the meds. He was like, Oh, no, you're the doctor said you need to do this. And mm -hmm. so I, I mean, I definitely had to convince him. But again, he, he knows me, I'm, I'm an extreme person, I'm either going to be all in or I'm not. And, and if I really want to do something, and that's what he said, he goes, Okay, you know, you try it. What if it doesn't work? Well, if it doesn't work, then I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll go back on the meds if it doesn't work. I'll do, you know, so we had a lot of conversations and he was a little worried at first, 
But then, like I said, after a while, he kind of like the doctor. Well, we can't argue with success. And so um, it just and, and I am again, I'm very pedantic. Every time I went to the doctors, are you still doing your thing? Yes. And after a little while, um, unfortunately, my doctor had to move on and I, I I lost her, but she was awesome. And so we had a real heart to heart. And I said, you didn't think I would do it, did you? And she said, no. <laughs> and she said, this wasn't really you so much as just the general population is not typically going to put that much effort into their health. They just, most people want to pop a pill and then just keep living life the way they do. And so, no, I didn't think you would do it, but I was so glad you did. And I tell all my patients about you, but I don't use your name. <laughs> I go to her, I said, you can. She goes, no, I can't. HIPAA law says I can't. I'm, okay, don't use my name, but you keep telling my story. And she does, And even though she's moved on. And so, again, because does she tell them, get off your meds? No, but she says, this woman has had such success and she is thriving even with this disease. And so there's that potential that they can do that as well. And it's, it's really great. So your sister did this research. Is that where you found out about lifestyle as far as what you would eat? What did you find out? What did you learn? What made yeah. you think about it? So she this? sent me a couple of articles and that just started. The, the whole thing where I dug in more and I found out more. And so there were a few different things that kind of generally came up and it was eating a plant-based diet, making sure you keep moving with exercise that doesn't overheat your body. And yoga was a big part of that. Now there is like the hot yoga, but definitely not that, but Yoga is not super strenuous and it also has that calming effect. And so yoga was a big part of it. Acupuncture was a part of it. And then following a sleep schedule sounds kind of silly, but it makes such a difference when fatigue is one of your main problems. Following a sleep schedule makes a world of difference. And so I wake up within about an hour at the same time every day, whether I have somewhere to be or not. And I am asleep within about an hour of the same time every night. Um, and it was very rigid and methodical at first because I used to be a night owl and it was really difficult for me. But now, okay, so this morning I didn't have anywhere to be and I didn't set my alarm. And guess what? My body was up within just a few minutes of when it usually is anyway. And I was like, no, I'm just going to lay here. I'm just going to go back to sleep. But my body wouldn't let me. And so, um, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a good thing, but I definitely, the biggest issue, I think the biggest impact was putting that fuel in my body that your body, it builds new cells every day. As your old cells are dying off, it builds new cells every day. And the, the best way I can, uh, give an example is if I were building a house, I would want superior building materials. Well, my body builds these new cells every day and I can either give them superior building materials so they can make better cells or I can give them inferior building materials or maybe even just status quo building materials and they can only do the same or less. So as I give my body all the nutrients it needs, it gets to rebuild those new cells in a better, stronger manner. And so I just look at everything I put in or on my body as am I nutri 
am I nourishing my body or am I just letting it live? Like, I don't want to just live. I want to thrive. And that's definitely what I'm doing. I know that was a lot. (laughs) That's amazing. It really is. Just reading things and and hearing things. And fortunately, I'm, I'm just so glad that your doctor was on board because if your doctor wasn't on board, that would have been another hurdle for yeah, you. Yeah, I would have found another one. <laughs> yeah. Because I knew I didn't want to do it without being watched closely because again, mm. I had read all this stuff and I'm like, okay, they're doing it, but am I going to do it right? And is my body going to react as well as theirs? And so I knew that I needed not necessarily permission, but I, I, I needed someone to, to keep watching out on the inside, that part that you can't see, the part that the doctors are always looking at, you know, to make sure that that was still operating just as well as the outside. And so, I, yeah, I definitely am so glad that I didn't have to hunt down another doctor and she was willing to work with me. And it, it, it was just definitely a blessing. And it's really funny, but I mentioned in my book that, I mean, my whole family says that my diagnosis was a blessing. And at first people were like, oh, oh that's awful. What do you mean? But it just it has impacted our family in so many positive ways that it really is. And I mean, I get to do some amazing things because of my MS and because of the fact that I have been proactive in my health and I get to help other people be proactive with their health. And that's my favorite thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now you said you're not just vegan, you're whole food plant-based. And you said that you take it a little bit more to extreme. So what did you mean by that? hated this word but people say oh do you ever have a cheat day well first of all i am an educator i've been an educator in the public school system for a very long time until just recently when i decided to branch out and become an entrepreneur and and be a small business owner but i don't like that word cheat we don't cheat and (laughs) so i i am very very thorough with what i do but um there are things like there, there's a website called accidentally vegan. So for example, like cake frosting, some of the cake frostings out there are vegan. There's nothing from an animal in that product, but there are a whole bunch of chemicals. There's a whole bunch of fat that's not good for you and a whole bunch of sugar, refined sugar that's not good for you. So there's really no nutrients in that at all. And so I really try to stay focused on whole plant-based foods that are nutrient dense and giving my body what it needs. Um, There are so many different meat substitutes out there and I just, I don't need those. Like I I don't need something to look and feel like meat on my plate. And as a matter of fact, I've tried one of those um, impossible burgers. They had samples at a grocery store one time and I'm like, okay, I'm game. I'll try it because a lot of people do ask me about those things and I like to at least have an opinion. And so I made her show me the package (laughs) and that she was actually giving me something that was not from an animal because it looks a lot like me. And then Mm. I took a bite and it felt and tasted so much like meat. Now, granted, it had been a long time since I had had meat, but I made her show me the package a second time and I didn't care for it because it just felt and tasted so much like meat in my mouth. But I did swallow it because I'm like, no, it is. It's plant based. I can handle it. But um, it, 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 I just I take it that step further of making sure that what I put in my body is nutrient dense. Yes, not from an animal, but also making sure that, you know, it's a plant and that I can identify it. And 
like I said, I try those other things sometimes just because people ask a lot and I like to have an opinion. And occasionally I'm stuck somewhere and that's the only option or, you know, something like that. But, um, but for the most part, it's fruits, nuts, seeds, legumes, veggies, grains, whole grains, of course. And, um, that's, that's the, the basis of what I eat. Naomi wants to know, should I go SOS free to achieve best healing from MS? So for those of you that are watching and listening, SOS free means without sugar, oil, or salt. What was your experience, Tracy? I'm going to say yes and no. <laughs> um, basically, when, when I first started, all I was concerned with is, okay, I got to eat just plants. I got to figure out how to eat just plants make them where they're palatable, make them, you know, where they are, are, are nourishing me and, and giving me what I need. And so from the beginning or at the beginning, I should say it was just, just transitioning to plants. And over the years, I don't know if you can see, but this is actually the shirt that I wore in my author's picture too. It says, um, don't think of health as a destination, but rather a journey. And that's exactly what it is. And I'm still on a journey. I'm still taking steps forward. So I'm much further along than I used to be. Like right now, I am very adamant about organic as much as possible. But back then, no, I, I don't, I mean, I knew what organic was, but I just had to focus on, oh my gosh, I'm ruling out all of this stuff. But what I have found is there's so much other, there are so many more plants than there are non-plant foods that really I'm not as limited as I thought at the time. Um, and I have cut out refined sugars. I have cut out most oil. Sometimes I still have to use some because again, husband and family and things aren't as palatable to them, but most oils and um, I still use salt when I cook, but I feel like the amount of salt that I used to have when I was eating a lot of processed healthy food but processed you know um when you cut out all the processed food you cut down so much on salt and i have very low blood pressure so i need a little bit of that salt just to help keep me regulated so it really is going to be up to you and your body and how it functions best but my big thing is take one small sustainable step at a time maybe you want to go sugar-free first. I personally think that's the worst of those three. <laughs> um, you know, so instead of just going, okay, I'm just going to totally kill it all and, and never have any of that again, you take those small sustainable steps because it really is about a lifestyle. It's about what you can continue to do. It's about how your body reacts. And so take one step. And when that step is successful, take another step. And when that step is successful, take another step. So I am far and above where I was. And again, that's the other thing. You know, I said I didn't do this overnight and I didn't start with what I'm doing now. The more I learned, the more that I um, investigated different things, it just continually makes my roadmap a little different. I take a little right turn here and then I take a little detour over here because I learned about you know, this thing or that thing, macrobiotics and all, all these different things that are out there, it can be really overwhelming. So I'm going to say those are great things to cut out. Do it a step at a time and see how your body reacts. I need 
some salt because of the situation that I have. But again, it's not nearly as much salt as what I used to have when I was eating all the processed foods. I hope that was a good answer. <laughs> I think it was a great answer. And I love your analogy of the roadmap because some people think that it's just all or nothing and they try to do it 100%. And most people do fail when that happens and then they give up. And just making your roadmap for success, I think that's a great analogy. All of our destinations aren't the same either. Like I said, I wanted certain results and you may want different results. And so, you know, the path that we take is not necessarily the exact same, but no one can argue that more fruits and veggies are good for you. I mean, that's across the board. It doesn't matter if more fruits and veggies are good for you. So, um, but yeah, we, we're all on that path and we're all at different place on our journey and to be able to, to help people take that next step wherever they are and, and to show them that it is doable because you're right. They see the destination way up ahead and go, oh my gosh, there's no way. Well, no, that's because you're not supposed to be at your destination yet. You have to take the roadmap to get there. So that's just been the best way I've been able to visualize it for people. Excellent. Excellent. Because we definitely get through different things on our roadmap when we're driving. We get potholes and detours and, and traffic and all kinds of things and missing our exits. And <laughs> so that's a great analogy. So Cheryl wanted to know, have you ever fasted? And if so, which kind, intermittent, water only? And do you think fasting would help alleviate MS symptoms? Okay. I am going to answer that for Cheryl, but can I just back up one second to what you said? Because uh -huh. yes, we hit those potholes. Yes, we take those detours because of traffic. But one thing that's really important for people to know is just because you make a mistake one time, oh, I wasn't supposed to eat cheese and I forgot or what, whatever it is, that doesn't mean you're derailed. You just take that detour and you can get back on your pathway at some point. You know, your destination did not become out of reach just because you messed up or, you know, made a mistake or whatever. So I think that's really important, too, because we do all mess up sometimes. Um, but Cheryl, yes. So, again, fasting is something that is going to be very particular for different people. So... I have done several different types of fasting. Um, I, in general, live my life in an intermittent fasting way, and but I don't do it the way that a lot of people talk about it. So intermittent fasting is very good for your body because your body needs some time of rest. And if you're always eating, you're always digesting, it never gets that break. But I tend to eat my dinner early in the five-ish o'clock time frame and then i do not eat breakfast or anything of any significant calories or nutrients other than water until about six o'clock in the morning and intermittent fasting says that if you have a window of 10 to 14 hours of where you aren't eating then that's a good thing so I just happen to make mine the time that I'm also sleeping. Now I don't sleep that whole time. I get my good seven hours. That's my bliss spot. I get my seven hours of sleep, but I let my body take a break from digesting by making sure that I have at least 10 hours and usually about 12 to 13 between my last meal of the day and my first meal of the next day. Um, I have also done juice fasts 
and juice fasts are really amazing because you think, well, if all I'm going to do is get to drink, I'm going to be hungry all the time. But you're not. If you do it right, again, because what juicing does is it takes all the nutrients and extracts them, does not give you any fiber, which is not a good thing long term, but it makes all of those nutrients that liquid form so your body can absorb it immediately. And I've actually been on juice fasts where you have five juices a day. And there were times where I'm like, I cannot drink another juice. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not hungry. I don't eat. Because I was, it was so nutrient dense, I was not finding myself, you know, starving and craving things. Because that's, I think a big portion of our problems, especially in America, is obviously not that we don't get enough calories. Because... Most Americans do have a, a weight issue, and I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly. That's just a fact, right? It's not that we need more calories. Someone can just go to McDonald's and have a Big Mac and fries and a Dr. Pepper, and in a couple hours, they're hungry again going, why? It's because they had no nutrients. They didn't give their body what it needed. And so we're starving for nutrients and not calories. And so that's what's really important um, is that we're feeding our bodies those nutrients that it needs. And I know this is a lot of information, Cheryl, but with fasting, you just have to be careful. Um, I think there's a spiritual side to it that can be amazing if it's done well. Um, but again, just like with everything else, you have to find that peak performance area for your body. I don't do well if I go a long time awake without food. <laughs> so if I'm going to wake up and then wait 14 hours to eat, I can't. That I don't function well that way, but are there people who do and are and are having great success with it? Yes. So it's really about you. But I, I would say um, that, again, you should, you know, have some guidance and, and do your research. Uh, so a lot of people kind of fall onto these fads and they just hear this one little bit and then they go for it. Like, oh, the low carb diet. That means I can eat all the meat and cheese I want. Jeez. Well, Really and truly, that's not what it is. Everyone should always have veggies um, within their diet. But, you know, do your research. Make sure you're doing it well. Make sure you're doing it correctly. And then listen to your body. That is essential. Listen to your body. So, I know. I get really long-winded sometimes. I'm sorry. No, you're not long-winded. You're passionate. You saw how this affected you and your family members in such a positive way. There's just tons of hours that we could just go on and on talking about this and you probably still wouldn't get everything out that you've learned and want to pass on to people which is why I started this broadcast because I want the world to know about these wonderful things and I appreciate that. Jacob said I just recently started whole food plant-based are any vegetables I should be consuming more and what should I avoid completely? My doctor said to avoid eggplant I've been dealing with MS for four years. So the first thing I would say is, did you ask your doctor why he said to avoid eggplant? And I'll get back to that in a minute. Any vegetables that you should be consuming more of? Absolutely. As many dark leafy greens as possible. That really should be a major portion of your diet each day. And when I say dark leafy greens, that also includes crazy, but let's hear me out, cauliflower, and broccoli, those cruciferous vegetables that are super nutrient dense and great cancer fighting um, properties and whatnot. But yes, dark leafy greens have protein, calcium. I mean, you can look up 
plant-based sources for X ingredient, and almost always dark leafy greens are going to be in there, whatever you're looking for. Um, and then the one, one important thing is making sure that you have something with vitamin C in it when you have dark leafy greens. So whether that's squirting lemon juice or maybe a little orange or even bell peppers have a lot of vitamin C, always eating those together because they're going to have, they're going to help your body absorb like the iron. And most people think of meat as iron sources, but dark leafy greens have them as well. So if we're eating them with a vitamin C source that helps our body absorb that better and along with other nutrients as well. Now, about the eggplant, I find that interesting that it would only be that one thing, but I know some people have a very, uh, have a sensitivity to nightshades, which includes onions and garlic, and I do believe eggplant, um, so I'm just curious why he might say eggplant, but I say that if it's a fruit or a vegetable, it is a free-for-all, if it is prepared well, because let's go back to what I said about potato chips. You should not eat a whole bag of potato chips. <laughs> um, and do I eat potato chips on occasion? Yes. Like I said, sometimes I'm in situations where I don't really have a lot of options. And so potato chip might be at least something that's going to stop my stomach from growling until I can get a better option. But dark leafy greens are definitely what you should bulk up on the most. Um, and then what I usually tell people is a variety of seasonal produce that is really key that we're always putting a variety in there so my salad today might be spring mix my salad tomorrow might be spinach my salad the next day might be kale and i'm saying salad but sometimes it's what's in my soup or what's on my sandwich or you know whatever so i should say you're whatever green you know mix it up and make sure that you're getting also some of that seasonal produce because Produce is seasonal for a reason because your body needs those nutrients in that time of the year, which is a little bit harder these days because we go to the grocery store and, I mean, does anybody know the season for bananas? No, they're always available. But <laughs> there are certain things, like you'll notice, there are always oranges there, but when there are a whole lot more and they're lower in price, that's usually going to indicate that they're in season. And so that's time to really bulk up on your oranges or, you know, whatever the case may be. So that's what I would say as far as which veggies to kind of bulk up on. Excellent. Tracy said, recently diagnosed with MS, what supplements should I take? EPA, DHA, isn't that important? As far as supplements go, what I have learned is that vitamin D is super important to everyone, but especially they, they are finding some links with MS. Again, we, we really don't know the cause, but they're finding links. However, the best way to get your vitamin D is to get 15 to 20 minutes of fresh air and sunshine every day because our body makes vitamin D. But maybe you can't always get outside, especially in these hotter months coming up. We don't want to be outside very often. And um, so it is important um, that we get vitamin D. And if you're going to supplement with vitamin D, it should be D3. And you should also take K2 with it because, again, that's going to help your body absorb it and use it better. And I actually have a really good story that goes with that. My sister, um, her vitamin D was low. Her vitamin D was low. She kept taking more supplements. And I think she was up to 5,000 IUs or whatever, whatever that measurement is. Mm -hmm. Sorry. IUs, yeah. 
Um, and, and still her vitamin D was so low and she was telling me about the doctor was perplexed and she just didn't know what to do, but we got to get it up. And I'm like, well, are you taking K2? She says, no, no one's told me to take K2. I'm like, you got to take K2 with D3. As soon as she started taking K2 within just a couple of weeks, her vitamin D went off, not, not, right. uh, not up high, but where yeah. it needed to be. And so it's really important. Some things work in connection with each other but so vitamin d is very important and if you're going to supplement with k2 um if you're going plant-based b vitamins are also very important b vitamins are made from the bacteria um, that grows on plants and the main reason that we mostly get vitamin b from animal foods is because they eat plants right our meat eats plants that's how they grow so that's why I always say when people say, well, how do you get your protein? Well, how do those cows and, you know, gorillas and elephants that are so big, how do they get theirs? They eat plants. But anyway, um, uh, vitamin B is very important because now we wash all of our veggies. Now, if you're growing some things yourself out of the garden, but I don't know, even when I bring my stuff in from the garden, I feel like I need to wash it because I don't know what bugs have been on there. And um, so we're, we're washing away even those good bacterias that we used to always get. So vitamin B is very important as well. Um, and those are really the only two supplements that I take. Well, my D and K are together, so it's two little <laughs> capsules, but those three, I guess. And then I do take a, a homeopathic thing for my allergies. So that's obviously just me. But that, those are the things that I would definitely look closely at. And the, the world of supplements is very, very tricky. There are so many out there. Please make sure you're getting quality ingredients. Pay a little more. Make sure you're getting something that your body's actually going to use and not just flush through your system. Um, but get outside when you can. Make that vitamin D through your skin because that's the best way to get it. Hearing more and more about that vitamin D is important, but it also could be that it is a marker for what we really need, which is the infrared from the sun and that our our body, our skin absorbs it. And we don't even have to be in direct sunlight. We can be standing in the shade and we'll still get the infrared coming from the sun. And that that is something that people really need to consider when they can do in your skin. Even if you're wearing sunscreen, you'll it'll still penetrate because it can penetrate about eight centimeters deep. So you can still get it. But... You don't make as much, you don't make the vitamin D when you have on a sunscreen. So that's why I said about 15 to 20 minutes. Yes. If you're going to be outside longer, then yes, put some sunscreen on. But I do not typically wear sunscreen unless I'm going to be outdoors for a much longer time. But you're exactly. exactly right. And the other thing, one really common side effect of not only the disease, but a lot of the medications is depression. Mm. And again, that fresh air and that sunshine and being out in nature and actually just looking at pictures of nature helps. So if you put a slideshow on your computer, like there are so many little hacks because don't get me wrong, when it's 90 something degrees out there in a month or two, I won't be out there as much. I'll be out there early in the morning walking the dogs and I'll be out there at night walking the dogs. But in the middle of the day, I kind of have to cut it out. But but fresh air, sunshine, and, and just being in nature helps with that whole you know, feeling happier. And so that's important as well. Yeah, I agree. We really weren't meant to be indoors all day long. Haley said, can you please speak to the invisibility 
of some MS symptoms. To everyone, including family and friends, I appear healthy. Yes, that is sometimes a very difficult thing to deal with. I, I, I have people all the time say, oh, I never would have guessed that you have MS. And I mean, there's that little piece of me that's like, well, good. <laughs> I don't mind if people know, but I don't, I don't necessarily want you to look at me and go, oh, what's wrong with her? Um, but yes, and, and here's the hardest part, I think, for people to understand who aren't dealing with it is that fatigue. That, and, and how things can just like hit you like a bus all of a sudden. You're just fine. And especially if you're somewhere where you get overheated, you're down and you're out. Um, but that fatigue is that they're, oh, they're just lazy or because you don't see what's going on inside. So it's really kind of funny because I've, I've kind of developed this other analogy. You know, there's that saying, that you're, you're, my nerves are frayed and you're getting on my last nerve. And it's never more true than if someone has MS. Because if you think about, here's my cord, right, that the, 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 the protective cover has come off. Here are my axons and they're, they're sending signals. But because the protective, that myelin sheath is gone, the signals, they just go out here instead of to where they need to go. Your body's constantly sending the signal because it's not getting to where it needs to go. And it's sending and it's sending and it's sending and it's still not getting it. Your body gets fatigued because it's overworking itself to try to get that signal where it needs to be and it can't get there and that when i tell that story most of the time the little light goes off and they're like oh i mean even to ms patients sometimes you know they're like oh that's why i'm so tired all the time i'm like yes i mean you, it's you're just you're like think about again my analogy to to teaching you're out on the playground and the little kids are not doing what they're supposed to be doing and you're you're trying to get them to stop doing it. You're, you're yelling and you're running after them and they're just not hearing you and you're yelling and you're running and you're yelling and you're running and they're not they're not getting your message. You're going to be tired. And it's that mm. same way as our neurons and our axons are trying to get our body to do what we want it to do, send those signals that we want it to send. It just wears out. And eventually it's just like, okay, okay, I'm really tired now and you haven't done anything. <laughs> it's just your body is doing all that work inside and you don't see it. Um, also, um, you'll read a little bit about this in my book, but when you get those pins and needles, you know, your foot falls asleep, you wake up and you're, oh, oh, for just a second, it hurts. It doesn't really hurt. It's just kind of uncomfortable. But if you can imagine having those pins and needles constantly for weeks at a time, I mean, it hurt for a sheet to lay on my legs. Like it was agonizing pain because it was just like eventually it wasn't just a few little needles it was just like needles daggers like just attacking that spot and um so your your body is just going through things that yeah people they don't see it i don't have a big wound on my arm you know i don't i don't have maybe that droopy eye or or i don't know anything visible sometimes our gait is a visible thing but again we'd have to be walking for that and then they might just think well, boy, she stumbled on a rock or something, but there was no rock there. I've been there. I have stumbled on the no rock there so many times. It's not even funny. Um, but, you know, it, it is very difficult because if they don't understand and they don't 
have someone who can really explain it. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the main reason I wanted to, to write my book. I want, I want people that have MS to know that there is a way to, to feel better. And I want people that know someone with MS to, to realize what might be happening with them. Now I don't get real sciencey in my book. I, I kind of left that for the, you know, the doctors and stuff to do, but I just tell my story and I have some family members and some friends that tell it from their perspective as well so that they can, you know, from the outside looking in and, and kind of what they experience because caregivers need to know too and, and friends. And, you know, like I said, my friend who went to the meeting with me and she's like, well, that just sounds like what old people deal with. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. but, but I'm not old. And so, it, but it's just interesting because it might be those little things that they're like, oh, that's not a disease. That's just, that's just you get old or that's just you being lazy or whatever. And it's not, it, it, it's not, it is going on inside. And sometimes, like I said, you'll go from just having as much energy. I just woke up. I'm full of energy. I'm ready to fight the day to, Oh my gosh, I got to sit down. Like something just zapped me and I don't know where my energy went. And that's, that, that's just how MS is. Well, I'm glad that you said all that because obviously people who are experiencing the symptoms, they know it. Even for people who, you know, you walk by and you see somebody with a handicap sign on their car and then you see them walk out and and they just look fine. We have to think about this, that there are people that are going through MS and maybe some other different things too, that maybe on the outside, it doesn't look like anything's going on. It's, it's a wonderful that you said that so that people who are just the general public that, and also the people that are the family members, that they can understand that that is something and why. And that was very good that you brought that up. So Jennifer, one, go ahead. kind of helps me relate stories in a certain way because I've, I've had MS patients who have said, I never could have said it like that. Like I felt like that, but I didn't know how to get people to understand it. And so maybe that's just that teacher coming at me. I'm used to dealing with little six-year-olds. So I try to put it in as simple as I can, mm-hmm. but it is, it makes a difference when you can, when you can really put words to it and help someone understand. And that could be a portion of this broadcast that somebody could replay to somebody so that they could just say, this is what I've been trying to tell you. So Jennifer wanted to know, what would you recommend someone do when first diagnosed with MS? Follow your doctor's orders. That is definitely my first recommendation. Do what they say to do. And then start researching. Start being your own advocate. Start being proactive for your health. Because not everybody is necessarily going to go the no medication route. Okay. But also, you want your doctors on your side. (laughs) So you want to follow their advice, at least initially, and see, because are there people out there where the medication is fantastic? Yes. I guess I just have this turmoil inside me that my doctors told me I'd be on medication the rest of my life. And there was something that just triggered in me that I'm like, you know, I don't feel like God built us to be on medication the rest of our life. I, I think it has its place. I think that short term, it's great, but that was just a conflict within me, especially because again, it wasn't just one and then it wasn't just two. And it was just like, they just kept adding. When they tried to give me my third prescription other than the disease modifying therapy, I was like, something has got to give. I cannot take all of this stuff every day for the rest of my life. Like, but you have to find what resonates with you. And there are, too, there are a lot more disease-modifying therapies out there. 
And so I just, this is what I wanted to do to modify my disease. This is what I chose to do. And again, even if you are on medication and want to do something that's going to help your body be better and help that medication work better and who knows, maybe eventually get off or maybe stay on. It's really up to you, but follow those doctor's orders and then be proactive about your health. Listen to your body, journal, take notes, you know, what days you did what and the, you know, when, when were you zapped and can you kind of figure out that there's a trigger for that? Um, heat is definitely a big thing. And so what are being proactive on how you can keep your core temperature cool? They have these cooling vests and all these different things for MS patients that can kind of help. But really, I, I, I did a food journal for a really long time. And again, just trying to look at making sure I was getting those nutrients and everything. But listen to your body and the better you fuel it and feed it and the better it operates, the better signals it's going to give you. Like sometimes I just feel like I need to have extra greens today, or I just feel like for some reason I'm craving orange foods. Like I want orange bell peppers and oranges and carrots and that and sweet potatoes. And that's all I want. So I eat those things, you know, like just really listening to your body because your body, your body wants certain things. And no, I don't mean that ice cream cone. I mean, you know, that, that that's not really your body talking. <laughs> um, but after a while, you get to um, where you can really kind of differentiate between those those type of things. But um, it, it's just so important to be your own advocate and and ask your doctor questions like the, the gentleman earlier asked. Did you ask? Why did he say don't eat eggplant? I just want to mm-hmm. know. I mean, yeah. And and they can't get mad at you for asking questions. I know they're 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 on a time limit and all that, but to ask and talk to your doctors and 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 look up you know research and find out and and find what's good for you and then take it to them and say, what do you think about this? What what if I did this? Would you you know are you going to still work with me and and kind of see me through this? And I think it's really important to have them on our side. Well, that's wonderful. And I'm just so glad that you're taking your message out to the world because we all need someone that we can look to for this journey that people are going through, either with these autoimmunes or specifically multiple sclerosis. So why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media, or how they can reach out to you if they want to learn more? Okay. I just want to add one more thing that kind mm-hmm. of popped in my brain. Okay. Um, about listening to your body and, and what it wants and what it craves, um, those change. Your taste buds are replaced every two weeks. Now, that doesn't mean your taste changed that quickly, but I used to never like certain things that I love now. And so you may say, oh my gosh, veggies, I just don't know if I can do it, but your tastes change. And the more you give your body those nutrients that it needs, the more it's going to crave those things, but just understand. And that was why I was saying earlier too about, you know, take it one step at a time, make them taste good right now. If you need a little oil, you need a little salt, like make them taste good. And then eventually you can start cutting back on some of those things that maybe you want to cut back on a little less oil, a little less salt, but your taste buds do change. Okay. So you can find me in a few different places. So I have a website for my book called 
or sorry, not a website, a Facebook page called My Journey to Wellness with an Autoimmune Disease. That is just my subtitle of my book. But I also franchise with a company where I get to help people learn to cook and love their veggies. It's called Veggie Cooking. So you can find me at Veggie Cooking Camden. And that is on Facebook as well as Instagram. I also have a website and that was just on the screen, veggiecooking.com slash Camden. And so I have a website and I am on social media, but only Facebook and Instagram. I had to kind of halt it because I can only do so much. Maybe one day in the future, I might be on some other ones. But so far, that is where you can find. So you do online cooking classes. Is that right? So I have not had as much success with that. I do in person, but okay. we do as a company do some online classes as well. I personally don't do them, but my partner does. Okay. Um, and, and there's no reason why if someone wanted that I couldn't, I just didn't have as many people that wanted to at one time. Um, so I kind of drew back from putting my efforts into that and focused on the in-person. But we also have cookbooks that are available that are, we have this one new one right now. I'm doing a YouTube series. Oh, I forgot we're on YouTube too. Uh -huh. um, I'm actually cooking through the book. I'm doing, it's a our cookbook is called six or less. It's six ingredients or less. And so far, everyone that I have done has come together so quickly, has been delicious. So we are also on YouTube. And that's just veggie cooking because I am a franchise of veggie cooking here in Camden County, Georgia. That's why I'm veggie cooking Camden. Um, so I, I forget about YouTube sometimes because that's still kind of new to me. But yes, reach out and, and find me because I am always, always available and, and love helping. Well, that's awesome. And you just have so much energy and so much positivity. I would think that somebody that was looking for that you're kind of like a lifeboat for someone i think that especially if they're first diagnosed or if they're really suffering a lot and want to see if they can improve their symptoms that, that you would be a really great resource and you you're a great teacher and you have a lot of positivity and also compassion which is really great and i, I really want to thank you tracy it was so kind of you to give us your time and tell us your story and share the tips that you did it was just so nice to have you here Thank you. It was great to be here. And the one thing I always forget to mention something this time, it was my book. My book is actually available on Amazon and it can be bought in e-book version or a paperback. So it's just, if you type in, I have MS, I'm pretty sure it'll come up. Yeah. We've been posting links to your book and we'll also have the links to it in the description for people that aren't watching right now. So we will definitely talk about that. And the other book, is that also available? So that is on our website, the Six or Less Cookbook. Okay. That is on the Veggie Cooking website. And I do believe um, it's we'll just... We'll put that as well so that people can see that as well. Green Warriors, tell us what you're going to remember. What's your takeaway from today? And just as boys, can you please tell us who is coming up next? Coming up on Be Green with Amy Live. Sitting is the new smoking. Learn how to make the most of your sitting. Yoga instructor Angela Fischetti will demonstrate yoga stretching, postures, and poses on Wednesday, April 13th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy Live. Well, most of all, I want to thank all of you that have been tuning in and watching and sharing and liking and commenting. It's really so nice to have this community and this support. And when you do that, it helps spread the word. And that's what's really important to us here. 
And another thing that you could do is you could type in the comments now my tagline, which I'm going to be doing along with Tracy. And she's going to be saying the word green with me at the end. Are you ready, Tracy? I'm ready. Okay. Well, until I see you guys again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. Bye-bye, <laughs> everyone. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be Green with Amy.